Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking tonight at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, the passage that Isaiah read a moment ago. And we're going to be thinking about the home, and we'll do that in just a moment or two. We want to express appreciation to each and every person who is here tonight, particularly those who may be visiting. We invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We are grateful for the opportunity that is ours to be together today. We're thankful for the program that began with our young people this afternoon at 5 p.m. And we hope and pray that we can build upon this program and that much and everlasting good will come forth from it. It's good to see the Liddells with us tonight. I didn't know they were with us, but I do now. We're glad to have them with us, and uh, we're grateful for the presence of each of you. Many years ago, there was a program that was on television that many of you may remember, at least those of us who may be a little bit older. It was called Father Knows Best. And I suspect that many of you had the opportunity to watch that program on a regular basis. And it seems like in days gone by that there were some really good and inspiring programs on television. Programs that seem to help to amplify the beauty of life and the home itself. What I want to suggest tonight is the Father knows best when it comes to the home. And I want us to talk about the home based on what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. The first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with submission in the home. I said a moment ago that the Father knows best. When it comes to the home, there have been a lot of manuals, a lot of books that have been penned, and no doubt some of those books and some of the manuals that have been written by men and women are very profitable. But if you want to read the greatest book that has ever been written on the home, I would encourage you to read the Bible. The Bible, bar none, is the greatest book, the greatest manual that has ever been written on the well-modeled home. And so tonight we look at Ephesians chapter 6, and the first thing we think about, submission in the home. The first thing that I would bring to your attention has to do with the word order. And really what I'm talking about here is there has to be a chain of command. Listen, if you would, to what Paul says in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Who is in charge in your home? I suspect that if you were to go out and to begin polling some people in our society today, some of the homes, maybe even in this city, and you were to ask them who is in control in your home, they would respond by saying, you know, I don't know. There are a lot of parents today that have yet to decide who is in charge 
in their home. Well, let me just be very specific. The Bible says that the parents are over the children. If you want a chain of command, the Bible says that the mother and father, they are the ones that are in charge. Now, in our society today, it seems to me that there are a lot of children that are dictating the tone and the practices in the home. Reminds me of, of the tail wagging the dog. Well, the Bible says that the parents are over the children, that the children are to obey their parents. It's not the other way around. Maybe you have been in a grocery store or a department store and you have seen or heard some young person demanding that their parents do something for them or telling them that they're going to do this or that or whatever. That's not the way it works when we, when we talk about God's arrangement. In, in the corporate world, sometimes we, we talk about flowcharts and chains of command. And you'll have a CEO and maybe a COO, a chief executive officer, a chief operating officer, etc. There is a chain of command, a logical chain of command. Well, that's the way God designed the home. It is structured in such a way so that the parents are in charge. That's the way God wants it. There are a lot of reasons for that. Their age, their maturity, their wisdom, etc. But we think about the orderliness in the home. Now, the Apostle Paul, back in chapter 5, sets forth the order or the arrangement of the church, and he uses that to draw an analogy in the husband-wife relationship. He talks about how the wife is in subjection to the husband just as the church is subject to Christ in all things. There is a divine arrangement to things. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 3, Paul talks about how the head of the woman is the man. And he goes on to say that the head of Christ is God and the head of man, or rather the head of the woman is the man. And so there is this divine arrangement of things and that's the way it is in the home. But then secondly, note if you would what he says, children obey your parents in the Lord. Now we're talking about the word obedience. God demands that children obey their parents. Well, why is that? Listen to what Paul says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When your parents tell you to do something, when they give you specific instructions, when they ask you to carry out certain tasks in the home, maybe chores or whatever, and you do those things, when you comply with them, you need to understand that you are following the biblical model and that the instructions that they give you and the fact that you are willing to submit suggest that you are doing the right thing. We need young people today who are, who are desirous of doing the right thing. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
sometimes I look around in our society today and I wonder what has happened to the word obedience in the home. Years ago, my dad was a school teacher in the state of Georgia. And I remember when he began to talk about how things started becoming chaotic in the school system and how the teachers were losing that measure of authority that had at one time been entrusted unto them. And the reason there was insubordination in, in the school system, in my opinion, is because there was insubordination in the home. Children are simply reflecting their lack of values in the home when they are disobedient and unruly in the schoolhouse. There was a time when in our school system, if a teacher were to call a student down, and maybe that particular student were chastised or, or spanked, that when he or she got home, they would get another spanking, another paddling from their parents. The problem today is many times parents have become advocates for their children even when their children are disobedient and insubordinate in the home. Now the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Now, note if you would the obligation. Drop down to verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Did you know that God desires that those of us who are children, that we show a measure of respect and honor to our parents. I think about young people that will sometimes curse in the face of their parents, that will show them disrespect. God said that He wanted children who would honor their fathers and mothers. You go back to the book of Exodus in chapter 20 at verse 12. One of the Ten Commandments given by God through Moses and Moses, as you know, was the great lawgiver and leader of ancient Israel. Ancient Israel had certain laws that governed their behavior. Some of those laws governed their behavior between them and their God. And then the other laws governed their behavior between them and their fellow man. Well, they were to honor their father and their mother in the home. That's what God desires today. And even though we grow older and mature and maybe we at some point in time leave that, that nest, that safe environment of the home and go out into the world, we still maintain that measure of respect or reverence or honor for our parents. This would include caring for them, providing for them, helping them as they grow older in life. And so, we talk about the order that is to, to be in the home, the obedience that God commands in the home, the obligations in the home, and then, note if you would, the overflow. Here's what the Bible says, and this is, this is reminiscent of the law that had been given by Moses. 
when he said, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Sometimes young people, and I know this from experience, and I'm not proud to say this, but it's true. Sometimes when you're young, you have the idea that your parents don't know anything. And I know that firsthand because I've been there. I thought I knew it all. And when I thought I knew it all was when I was a teenager. And sometimes young people, you know, they get full of themselves. And they, they begin to think that they know just a little bit about everything. Well, once you've been around the block a time or two, you find out that maybe you don't know quite as much as you thought you did. I can remember when I was growing up, my dad would give me very specific instructions about certain things. And I remember one case in particular. He told me not to do a certain thing, and I in turn did it. And I was wrong. And as a result of what I did, I created a lot of trouble for myself. Now, I didn't go to jail or anything like that, so you don't have to worry. I haven't been in prison or anything. But... But I did get in some trouble, and uh, I wrecked a car, and I had to pay for that, and I, we'll just leave it at that. I got in some trouble. And, you know, looking back on that, I, I can see the wisdom of my dad's instructions on certain things. Now, I think about young people today, and sometimes young people will get out and they will load up a car and they'll drive around at 11, 12, 1, and 2 in the morning. Let me tell you, nothing good happens after midnight. Now, I've seen some of my peers in days gone by that have been swept away into eternity because they did not listen to the sage advice of their parents. When your parents tell you, do not drink and drive, they know what they're talking about. The Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I don't know how many friends I lost in days gone by because they engaged in activities that there's no way their parents would have sanctioned. Paul said, you obey your parents in the Lord, you honor them that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. There are a lot of young people tonight, they're in eternity and they have been in eternity for many, many years because they did not listen to their parents. I think about a fellow that I was in, in high school with in the 10th grade. He was 15 years of age. And he, he and another fellow that went to school with me, they were out in a car and they were drinking. And I don't know if, if, if the fellow that was in my class was drinking or not, but he was a passenger in the car. And they came down off the expressway doing about 100 miles an hour or so. And they T-boned a pole. 
And that boy was killed that night. That's been over 30 years ago. That fellow never got to graduate from high school, never got to go to college, never, never had the opportunity to have a family, none of that. My advice is to follow the wisdom of what your parents tell you. They know what they're talking about. I can assure you, when your parents give you instructions in the home, they know what they're talking about. And many years from now, you'll look back upon some of the things that they have said in the home and, you, and that light will go off. And you'll say, you know what? They were right. The Bible says you obey your parents because it's right. You may not understand it, but it's right. It's the right thing to do. It's always the right thing to do. So first of all, submission in the home. But then secondly, schooling in the home. Look at verse 4, if you would. Paul said, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The first word that comes to mind here is the word temperance or self-control. And as, as a parent, sometimes you have to learn to exercise self-control. Now, there are, there are times maybe when, when your children will do or say things that will, as we used to say, rile your blood. I remember one occasion my mother chased me out of the side of our house with a broom in her hand. And there are, there are times when you need to get your children's attention. And... And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But Paul said, fathers, and, and I think when we talk about the home, we're talking about that unit, a mother and a father. And of course, the father is to be the spiritual leader in the home. And many fathers have abdicated that role, sadly. But the father is to be the spiritual leader in the home. I like Abraham back in Genesis chapter 18 when God said, for I know him. God, I believe, had confidence in Abraham, that great patriarch of the past. And by the way, Abraham is called the friend of God in James chapter 2. But nonetheless, we need to have a sense of self-control. And so Paul said, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. What we need in the home are mothers and fathers who are well-balanced. We talk about when, when we discuss preaching and teaching the Word of God, the need to be biblical and the need to be balanced. And I think that's true. But the father is the spiritual leader. He is the spiritual head in the home. He is the head of the household. But it is a mother and father working in tandem, working together for the good of, of the children. And so what Paul is saying here is that as parents, we are not to be so critical of our children that we provoke them to wrath. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 at verse 21 talks about how as fathers we're not to provoke our children lest they become discouraged 
And it could be the case that as parents sometimes we, we lose control and maybe we lack that self-control and that sense of balance in the home. Are there times when our children need criticism and correction? Absolutely. Do we have the God-given right to administer that? Yes, we do. But again, we need to be balanced. We do not need to be so overbearing and harsh to the point that our children become discouraged and just throw up their hands and say, what's the use? Let me just also add that there have been times, there have been homes in days gone by where the, mothers and, where the mother and father have been so overbearing in the home that when the children reach 18 years of age, they rebel. They leave home and they begin just living the life of a prodigal because they're sowing their wild oats. And so, again, I think the idea is to be balanced, to be in control. But with, with regard to this idea of temperance, I would suggest that we need to be consistent. James talks about in James chapter 1, verse 8, how a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Our children need to see in us a measure of consistency. They need to see in us people who are consistent in the way we deal with them, in the way that we deal with one another. And by that, I, I would just point out that if something is wrong, it's always wrong. If something is right, it's always right. But we don't correct them one day and then just bypass it the next day. No, we're going to be consistent in the way we treat them. And we're going to be balanced in that. And then linking to that idea, this, this point of correction. There are a lot of people today that they, they do not believe in what we would call corporal punishment. And by that, I simply mean spanking. Well, the Bible says that we have the right, the God-given right to administer corporal punishment. Solomon said that if you love your son, you will chasten him often. And we always talk about spare the rod, spoil the child. There are a lot of children today. You know what they need? Let me tell you what they need. They need somebody to kindly and lovingly bend them over their knees and wear them out. That's what they need. And the reason I know that is because I've been in the grocery store, I've been in the department store from time to time, and I've seen some of these kids. And I can tell you firsthand, they need somebody, as we used to say, jerk a knot in their rear end. That's what they need. There's nothing wrong with old-fashioned correction. And... You know, there are a lot of children today. Let, let me just point this out. If, if children do not learn to respect authority in the home, why do you think they will respect, or if they don't learn to respect authority in the home, do you think they're going to, to respect those authoritative figures in the school system? They'll laugh in their face. Do you think they're going to respect authoritative figures in the workforce? 
What about civil government? Look at what some, some young people are doing today. And, I, and I'm not picking on young people, but I'm just, talking, I'm just trying to make a point. The reason some young people today are so wild and out of control is because their mother and father did not take the time to administer some justice in the home, to correct them, to apply the Board of Education. Look at, look at our world today. We, we, we talk about some of the heinous crimes that are going on. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul underscores the importance of civil government. And in that context, he talks about capital punishment. And he says that when capital punishment is not administered, we bear the sword in vain. Why do you think we have people in our country today violating the laws of the land, engaging in some of the most heinous and violent crimes known to man? It's because they know that our civil court system, they're not going to do anything to them. They're not going to punish them. And so they think they've got a free pass. Well, in the home, our children need to be corrected. And we as God's people, as, as Christian mothers and fathers, we have the opportunity to set the tone, to teach them right and wrong, good and evil. And you know what? If we teach them right, hopefully and prayerfully, they will do what's right. Solomon said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Solomon there is not saying that, that there's no possibility for them to, to go out into the world and, and to disappoint us and to, to leave the Lord. He's not saying that at all. It's a proverb. It's a maxim. It's a truth. But if we train our children right, if we're consistent in how we deal with them, if we correct them when the need arises... If we do what God expects of us, then hopefully and prayerfully they're going to turn out right and they're going to do what's right. And then finally, I would suggest that we need to, we need to be charitable toward them. We need to exercise charity, that is love. And read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 and following, where Paul talks about how love suffers long, is kind. Love is long-suffering. When you have children, you're going to learn to be long-suffering in the home. I can assure you that. And, and our children today, they need to feel a sense of love. Nancy works for Youth Villages. And she has a lot of responsibilities on a daily basis and travels quite a bit. And she was telling me about a foster family that took a small child in. And this child was five years of age and was acting as if he was about two. Couldn't speak, wasn't potty trained, nothing. Completely neglected in the home. And the foster parent, on one occasion, when the child began to just cry, scream, pick that child up, embrace that child, hug that child, and began to try to love that child. And the child quietened down. And he figured out that what that child needed was love. And there are a lot of children today 
they need love in the home, and they're not getting it. Their, their mother and their father are neglected in this area. I think it's good to tell your children you love them. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's a good practice. Tell them you love them often. Tell them daily that you care for them and love them. But then secondly in this, in this verse, not only are we, are we to be temperate, but also we are to be people, we are to be parents who train. That is, we train, we teach them in the Lord. Paul said, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses said that Israelite parents were to teach their children diligently. What about us as parents? Are we diligently teaching our children the fundamentals of the faith? Now, I understand that as a congregation, there is, there is a sense in which the church must be fed. Elders have the responsibility of feeding the flock of God, Acts 20, verse 28. And when young people are in Bible class and in worship services from week to week, it would be my prayer that they're learning, that they're growing spiritually. But that primary responsibility of training, of teaching, rests on mothers and fathers. We have the responsibility of training our children in the Lord. Look at ancient Israel over in the days of the judges. The Bible says that during the days of Joshua, the people were faithful. During the days of those elders who outlived Joshua, they were faithful. But then the Bible says there arose another generation which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. What happened? Why was there a breakdown? The reason was because mothers and fathers were not teaching diligently their children the law of Jehovah God. By way of application. Why is it today that young people, if you were to ask them, do you believe that it's wrong to use a mechanical instrument of music in worship, they, they might say, well, I don't guess it matters. Or, that's not a salvation issue. Where did they ever get that idea? The Bible tells us we're to sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord. The instrument that's to be plucked or played is the human heart. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3, verse 16. We're to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. But you see, if we fail to teach our children what the Bible says about worship, the acts of worship, then spiritual illiteracy will prevail. Or if we were to ask young people today, how many churches are there? What if they were to respond by saying, well, there are any number of churches, and it really doesn't matter where you go to church. It really doesn't matter what church you belong to. Oh, really? The Bible says there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. The body's the church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Whose responsibility is it to teach our children about the one body? Is it the responsibility of the elders? Yes. Is it the responsibility of the preacher? Yes. Is it the responsibility of the Bible class teachers? Absolutely. But 
First and foremost, it is the responsibility of mothers and fathers. We are the ones that have the responsibility of driving this information home. The Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews chapter 5, those who by reason of time ought to be teachers. And he said, you need someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. I think about young people who are growing and maturing physically, mentally, but they're not growing spiritually. And they ought to be at a point in time when they know these things. They know these scriptures. They know what the Bible says, but they don't. I'm convinced that the future of the church rests in the hands of our young people because they're the ones that are going to carry on. And that's why it's imperative for us as parents to lay the foundation, to teach, to instruct, to encourage them in the truths of Almighty God. I like what... Luke said about Jesus in Luke 2.52 that Jesus advanced in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Jesus was a well-rounded young man. That's what we desire today. Well-rounded, God-fearing young men and women. And we can have that. You and I as parents, we have a solemn task before us. You know, one day in the future... I do not know when. We will stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. And we'll give an account of the deeds that have been done in this body. It would be my prayer that all of us will hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. The most rewarding thing, outside of the fact that we hear those words, would be to hear those words said to our children and grandchildren. I want to encourage us as parents, lay that foundation. Teach them, instruct them. Build them up in the faith. Sometimes we talk about the Catholic Church and how the old adage that if you give a child to the Catholic Church for the first seven years of his or her life, they will never leave that faith. Well, let me tell you, if we instill in our children the truth of Almighty God and we literally grind that truth in their lives, they'll stay faithful and they'll be productive in this life. I close by saying this, the Father knows best. God knows what's best. God knows what's best in regard to the home. What about you? When you... you, Look into your home. When God looks into your home, what does he see? Does he see a godly mother and father? A godly husband and wife? A godly grandmother or grandfather? Does he see godly children? Children who are trying to do what's right, as Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to come to Christ. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John 8, 24. The Bible says that we're to repent, turn from a life of sin. Luke 13, verse 3. Confess His name before others. Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized into Christ so that our sins might be washed away. Acts 22:16. 16. If you're here tonight and unfaithful, why not come home? 
The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?